When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. Hello! And welcome to Awesome Etiquette. Where we explore modern etiquette through the lens of consideration, respect, and honesty. On today's show, we take your questions on asking people for contact photos, asking for no gifts at your child's birthday party, a follow-up question about names on a wedding invitation, and a neighbor's chickens that don't stay on their own property. For Awesome Etiquette Sustaining members, our question of the week is about how to manage your social invitations when you know you're sort of going to be out of socializing for a while. Plus, your most excellent feedback, etiquette salute, and a postscript on thank you notes. All that's coming up. Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of our home offices in Vermont and is proud to be produced by the Emily Post Institute. I'm Dan Post-Senning. And I'm Lizzie Post. At least I'm pretty sure I'm Dan Post-Senning. Like, that's usually my line. I'm pretty sure I'm Lizzie Post. Um, How's it going funny. this morning, Lizzie Post? It's good. It's good. You you and I, are, we're, we're figuring it out. We're getting back to our regular routine after after the, the editing session and the holiday and all of that. So it's good. It's good. I'm glad we know who we are today. <laughs> and I will throw in, I've got a, a little daughter with a stomach bug right now that's got Aww. me... Up and down and up and down all through the night. And we always think we've got it completely beaten. And then it seems to come back at nighttime. Oh, no. Oh, I'm sorry you guys are dealing with that. I've heard there's a lot of kids' stomach bugs out right now. That yeah, that's like a, a thing in our area. <laughs> I've tried to take it as um, sort of the, the good with the bad, sort of speak, or the bad with the good. We're just out and about more than we've been mm -hmm. in a long time. Mm -hmm, so... Mm -hmm. We're dealing with the things that happen when you get out and about more. Like you pick up those little colds and stomach bugs that <laughs> were such a part dishes. of our life for <laughs> years and years. <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. And I've been noticing a lot of etiquette in my own life as my whole social activity level is starting to tick up. And it's it's not jumping up dramatically, but it's ticking up. And the more and more contacts I'm making with people, the more time I'm spending out and about in the world, the more I'm thinking about traveling. Mm -hmm. That's coming up for you next, next week, week after next, right? It is. I'm definitely starting to notice a lot of the stuff we've been writing about for the last two years <laughs> is more present in my life in a lot of ways. It's really totally. quite remarkable, as he boasts. <laughs> I was treating a friend to dinner out Wednesday night. And it was one of those moments where at the end of the meal, she was like, no, 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 let me like do the tip or something. And I was like, no, I really wanted to to treat you to this. Like, I'm just so excited that we're getting together again. And, 
you know, and we were also, I should say, like at the the club that I golf at. And so I as mm-hmm. the member and and she's looking to become a member. And I really hope she does because she's like my favorite golfing buddy. This would be epic in my life. But it was really one of those moments where I wanted to play that role of host. And I, I wanted to to do the treating. and But she made sure to be like, well, I'm going to get it next time. And I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. You get it next time. And she's sincere about it. And I, I will participate as the guest next time. But it was it was fun to kind of see some of the the back and forth etiquette stuff <laughs> going on in my own friendships. <laughs> dance a little host guest dance. Well, Try to figure out how dance. much to tip and who's exactly. going to do it. Exactly, exactly. For one brief moment, I got confused between... When I was a server at a country club and we got an automatic 18% tip, no matter what. So you were very used to not seeing tips written onto the slips because it was just already included. And mm-hmm. I got confused for a minute because was, I was like, wait a minute. Does this club do that? Am I does it already tip there? And then I looked on the line and there was no like automatic gratuity included. So I was like, hey, no, I leave a tip here. I leave a tip here. This is how this world works. <laughs> oh, Lizzie Post, and it's such a tease. You're back at a golf club. That is awesome. The sun is shining. I wish I were headed to a golf club today. <laughs> well, I'm not headed to one today because it's too cold to play. Our course hasn't opened up yet. Um, but, okay. but the dinner, the dining room is open and it was really nice to to see some old friends who I'll be golfing with a lot this summer. And that, I mean, that club does the social thing that I've always hoped for from it. As a single person, adult years, I, I get a lot of really great social connections through that that I really, really value. And I got to see a whole bunch of my golfer friends and it's just it's it's awesome it was it was a, it was a really good feeling um being a part of that so um, yeah no i'm stoked for it i'm really stoked for golf season to start up i got to play with my folks when i was down in florida and i broke 50 which is a little bit tough for me to do like i don't always do it i've noticed since i've put on weight i actually break it more often like pluses to gaining weight woohoo um okay. but yeah i know right <laughs> like but it was it was really great to go play in Florida with my folks and it was so warm and gorgeous and and just a great time, like a really great time. But I come back here and it's not quite golf season yet. So I've like got the itch, but I can't do anything. So I'm like, oh, I'll go have dinner at the club and like see some of my golfing buddies. And we're almost there. <laughs> I'm so glad we haven't played golf in years because you've definitely gotten significantly better than me. I, okay. So I have gotten significantly better than, than I don't even know if we've ever played golf together. <laughs> Maybe not since like, Maybe not like a real round, kids. not a real round, but I am still determined Daniel Post-Senning to get you on my golf course this summer and have you just not even worry about practice or anything. Just be like, just come out. No one is around. No one can even see you on that course. It's so gorgeous. Like you just, you go out and hit a duff, hit a gorgeous shot, hit a duff, hit a gorgeous shot. Like it'll no, be that's fun. that's how I play. Yes, it'll be fun. <laughs> it'll be fun. And that's a famous line in our family. That's how I play golf. Um, but anyway, <laughs> aside from me begging you to come out, <laughs> Um, I am really excited about spring and all the socializing and like you been thinking about my manners, been wondering if I'm being awkward or not. It's a little less awkward than it was when we first got our vaccines and people were starting to hang out. Mm -hmm. I noticed a whole lot of, oh my gosh, I've been talking for forever. How did I get onto this tangent? Like a lot of self-regulation in behavior right after vaccines first hit and we were really gathering for the first time. This year, it seems a lot just more like everybody's 
busy in their own solitude and it's the like revelation of wow getting out feels really good you know that seems to be the conversation this time a little more natural the pleasant surprises seem to be happening a little more i've I've just run into people or we've had social activity spontaneously develop around things like an invitation oh let's get together oh but it's raining we could go do that thing instead and then oh but i was going to do something with this family so could they come and next thing you know you're out with some people it's amazing right it it works (laughs) when we're allowed to do it it works (laughs) well there's one other thing that works if we work it that's uh, oh i bet i know where you're going We've got some questions to get to, Lizzie Post, before either of us can go enjoy this fine day. <laughs> that is very, very true. Let's get to some questions. Let's do it. Awesome Etiquette is here to answer your questions. You can email them to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com, leave a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND, that's 802-858-5463, or you can reach us on social media. On Twitter, we are at Emily Post Inst. On Instagram, we're at Emily Post Institute. And on Facebook, we're Awesome Etiquette. Just use the hashtag Awesome Etiquette with your social media posts so that we know you want your question on the show. Awesome Etiquette gets support from StoryWorth. There are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, mom's retelling of the events always brings a bit of joy. Just in time for Mother's Day, we here at Awesome Etiquette found the perfect gift that can capture all of your mom's stories for your family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your mom or a mother figure in your life for years to come. Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. What was your first job? Who was your first crush? (laughs) StoryWorth makes the writing process a breeze. All your loved one needs to do is to respond to the email prompt with a story. Long or short, it doesn't matter. I did this with my mom and it was really, really rewarding. You'll be emailed a copy of your loved one's responses as they're submitted over the course of the year. You'll get to enjoy their retelling of the stories, some you probably already know, or maybe the ones that you're surprised by you haven't heard before. (laughs) After that year of fun discovery and reminiscing, StoryWorth compiles your loved one's stories and photos into a beautiful keepsake hardcover book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. You can even keep a copy of the book for yourself. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift that you all will cherish for years. Story Worth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com manners. That's storyworth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash manners. It's manners with an S to save $10 on your first purchase. And now back to our show. Our first question this week is titled, Photos for My Phone. Hi, AE team. I recently have been going through and updating my contacts list and adding contact photos for them. For quite a few of my contacts, I had a somewhat recent photo that I could use. 
But for some other contacts, particularly those that I haven't seen in a while, I had either no or a very outdated contact photo. I could also see it being very helpful for people who have a lot of contacts with the same name or who have a whole client list. It could be really helpful to attach a face to a name. I was wondering, though, if you had a sample script or just an idea of how to go about asking various acquaintances and even friends or family or whoever else ends up in your contact list about getting a contact photo. It feels weird just asking them for a picture of themselves, especially for distant relatives or colleagues, friends I haven't seen in years. And without any real context, it seems bizarre and random to ask. Would it be rude to ask someone close to them for a picture? I'm thinking of asking my cousin to send me a picture of my aunt, but I don't know if she would have approved of that picture or if she would have preferred a different one. Sometimes, if I don't have someone's picture, I will look to see if they have any public pictures on social media. However, not everyone has this or has an updated social media account. But I would still love to put a face to a name. Any thoughts? Best. Wondering which is which. Oh, wondering which is which. This is not weird or strange at all. In fact, my operating system, I have an iPhone, and it automatically tries to update photos and contacts of people when they've updated their own personal contact in their own system. Like, Dan, yours hasn't done it to me yet, but the little prompt would say, like, when I click on you as a contact, it would be like updated contact name and info or photo, updated photo for this person, like question mark. And it would automatically update it if I clicked into it. I handle my phone a little differently. And so I often don't click into that. <laughs> but I I think this is a is a really common practice. I don't think it would be strange to ask people directly. But you did already do the sneaky thing I was going to suggest, which is just grab one of their like their public pro like photos off of a profile or something that's already I want to say been approved by them and uploaded to a very public space, but I know that not every photo is is personally approved. Like if you were on your cousin's page trying to grab a picture of that aunt, I wouldn't consider that necessarily an approved photo of the aunt if that's what you're looking for. But the aunt's own page, her own social media profile page, grabbing one that she's set up herself or posted herself, I think that would be totally fine. But Dan, before I give any sample script, or maybe you want to give us the sample script today, what do you think about asking people for, for contact photos or even just using that system of applying a photo to a contact? Anything we should be watching out for etiquette-wise? Well, first of all, I'm just applauding the effort of keeping a contact list current. Yeah. And it's oftentimes the the first step towards a good etiquette project. I'm going to write some thank you notes. I'm going to make an effort to reach out to people on their birthdays. <laughs> totally. Having a current contact list and something that you you pay attention to and update and use, it's always an aspiration of mine. I'm forever, oh, I'm going to update my contact list. That spreadsheet's going to be in great shape for this year's <laughs> holiday cards. And it's a perpetual project. It's, it's ongoing. And I, I just I admire the effort and I admire the attention that's going into it. I'm taking a little inspiration from it. Nice. The other thought I have is very personal, which is I don't know if I'm a really big dork or if I'm really cool because I picked a contact picture when I first set up my phone close to 10 years ago now, and it's the same <laughs> one. And it's on everything. It's like a little piece of clip art. It's like a tree that I thought was cool on a, with a pink background. And I, I was trying to 
figure out a way to make a joke about NFT apes or something. And I realized I didn't have enough language in my brain to do it. I don't exactly know what they are, but I know people are using little clip art to represent themselves now. And I was way ahead of that game, like 10 years ahead of that game. But as far as the actual etiquette of asking someone for a picture, I'm on board with pretty much everything that you've said in terms of harvesting pictures from public places. Social media is public, so it's fair game. I think you're spot on in thinking about the pictures that people use to represent themselves versus the pictures that other people just post. You're post probably in pretty <laughs> good shape, pretty safe territory using a picture someone uses to represent themselves. I know that I always find it delightful when I'm using Pooja's phone where she has really cool pictures associated with a lot of her contacts. Ah. And when people call, you get these pictures that come up that are like someone really doing sweet. an amazing yoga pose or like a cute cuddle with their kid or something. Or and like... it evokes a certain feeling or thought in you. It's, it's like, <laughs> oh, this is Alka. And I love Alka. And so she's really, you know, personalized that she's found images that mean something to her. I don't think they're things that she would necessarily share or think of as public they're really they're in her contact book mm -hmm. for her use mm -hmm. i would mention that i've been surprised that all the places my little clip art tree has appeared how I'm often looking at it right now in our google doc <laughs> when i'm interacting with people that, that that's the default that's getting pulled and that mm -hmm. there is getting displayed to them so i think thinking more about your own image and how you represent yourself is sort of a bigger etiquette question in terms of how you're representing someone mm -hmm. in terms of asking for a picture i think mm -hmm. that it's a relatively low stakes ask if you're asking them for a picture that they'd be willing to share but i liked the self-awareness wondering which is which showed in wanting to provide a little bit of context mm -hmm. that letting someone know why you're asking for a picture isn't a bad idea it doesn't cost a lot and it doesn't leave them wondering and i actually thought your sample script hit it right on the nose i could read it but i think it'll sound better in your yeah, voice what? no you read it let's no let's have you read it because even though i wrote it you know if someone else tries to it's kind of cool to hear it in a different person's voice you know although because you're gonna you're gonna have to read those exclamation points and i put a lot of them into it <laughs> I'm already self-editing out. <laughs> hi oh, I hope you've been well. I've been adding contact pictures to all of my phone contacts and was wondering if you would send me a pic so I can add yours as well. I totally understand if you don't want to, but I thought I'd ask. Hope it's not weird. I added the hope it's not weird myself at the end yeah, because you, I felt a little weird reading someone say, else's script. You cut, you cut out some other stuff too. It was a good short. It was like you edited it. It was a shortened version of it. Totally. I think it works well. I think just that this, this type of behavior is not uncommon nowadays. And if someone just explains a little bit about what they're going to use a photo for, I think it, most people will, will be like, Oh yeah, totally. Here you go. You know, thanks for asking. And I think that's that's completely understandable. If I got a message like this, I'd be like, oh, yeah, sure. Here's one I like. Like, there you go. Enjoy. <laughs> but it, it like the behavior of associated or adding, excuse me, a photo to a contact, not uncommon. And for the handful of people that you really they don't have social media and you haven't hung out with them in a while, but you'd still love to run this kind of treatment that you're doing for your contacts through as many people as you can great way to touch base with someone great way to just that too. yeah like if i received that i'd be like oh that's so cool 
Hoosie from wherever is like thinking about doing this, and I'm still included in the bunch. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Even if it was family, I'd be like, oh, cool. Cousin Casey's like, all right, all right. <laughs> he's, he's adding me too. So I think as long as you explain what you're up to, what you're going to be using the photo for, that wondering which witch is which should have no problem with this, this sample script or with people. And because you, that line at the end, totally understand if you don't want to, but thought I'd ask allows for it to be understood right from the get-go. You've given them that out. You've given them the, the not the permission to say no, they always had it, but you've given your own understanding if a no is what has to be returned to you as a reply. And that makes it just so much easier for people, I think. But And I don't think you'll have much trouble getting photos from folks, but I do think it's nice to to add that in just in case someone's not down with it. I want to wish wondering which is which the best of luck on this project and now i'm off to update my contact book <laughs> you do that cuz but if you have a sincere interest in photographic work it would be worthwhile to investigate the field carefully some phase of photography may become your life work another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Our next question is titled, A No Gifts Gathering. Hello. Thank you for your thoughtful podcast. I have a question about children's birthday parties. I'm planning a joint party for my soon-to-be four-year-old and two-year-old sons. This is a kid's party at a gymnastics gym. We will have a separate, small family party on another date. My question is this. Is it possible to have a no-gifts kid's birthday party? My friends, whose children will be invited to the party... Tell me that if we host a party, particularly at a venue with a cost associated, you simply cannot request that no one brings gifts. It sounds like they, as guests, would feel awkward or uncomfortable with this. And I certainly don't want them to feel uncomfortable. However, our kids really don't need anything. They will be thrilled to play with their friends at their favorite hangout and then dig into some birthday cake. If folks insist on bringing gifts, I do have some preferences. Consumable items like sidewalk chalk and bubbles are good. I know my kids will use those things, and they won't create excessive plastic waste or take up space in our house long term. Clothes, books, and money for their savings accounts would also be welcome gifts. However, it seems strange to make such specific requests, which is why I thought no gifts please would be a better option. I was also toying with something like no gifts, please, most especially no toys. The kids have plenty exclamation point. That's all in quotes as as one quote. No gifts, please, most especially no toys. The kids have plenty. Perhaps phrased in a gentler way, but ideally still brief. But it also feels a bit rude or strange to follow up no gifts with specifications about a type of gift. Is there a way to message any of this that will make guests feel okay about not bringing a gift? I'm not sure I'm comfortable with a gift registry for a child's birthday, or do I just need to suck it up and graciously accept the gifts? 
I would likely donate some of the toys, which also feels rude. I was also considering requesting donations to a charity in lieu of gifts, ideally centered around something the kids enjoy. For example, PBS Kids Programming or the NICU where my four-year-old stayed in his first few days of life. Thank you again for your wisdom and guidance on all things etiquette. Sincerely, a mom who just tripped over a toy. <laughs> I think every every parent knows that. Ouch. <laughs> the Lego on the floor. <laughs> I think every parent certainly can. I'm checking my pockets right now. They usually have the toys that I've been stepping on and just picking up and <laughs> stuffing in my pockets to put away later. As I'm hearing you read this question, Lizzie Post, I'm thinking in my mind, yes, 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 yes. Good instinct there. Yes. Good follow that yeah, right. instinct. Um, there's so much going on here. There are so many questions around kids' birthday parties and gifts at yeah. kids' birthday parties. It's a big stage in life to learn how to give and receive gifts. And oftentimes that's happening around birthday parties. And mm -hmm. it's a place where people are often breaking out of just getting just beyond their immediate family circles and groups. So mm -hmm. you're taking those skills on a road test in a slightly <laughs> larger, broader community. Because of that, there are some – I will call them hard and fast or even firm etiquette rules. But there are some – there's some experience here that other people have had that we can lean on. And That's a good way to word it because I like that a lot. Some experience to lean on. And some of the advice that we give about this, I think, is has proved out. And some of it can sound a little tough at times, but I think mm -hmm. there are good reasons for it. And I definitely like to go through the question and answer as clearly as possible a lot of the very good questions about kids' birthday parties and gifts that came up. But I also just have to mention, as we were starting to record this show, I'm I'm in the the bedroom at home, which sits above the garage, and I could hear the garage door opening downstairs, which means the kids are heading out to play in the sort of front yard area and what we will do is draw with sidewalk chalk and blow bubbles so totally uh, a little part of my heart just pitter pattered with a longing for spring as i read that part of the question because i did my first big chalk drawing just two days ago before the snowstorm lizzie post <laughs> and the bubbles were sitting right there next to it so i could i feel like i could picture this this whole scene the first really firm etiquette answer that i want to give and i yeah. know lizzie post is going to support me is that the best and only gift instruction to use on an invitation is the very simple and clear language, no gifts, please. Mm -hmm. And it can feel like it would be fun to tinker with that, to elaborate on it, to play a joke with it, because it is a topic, gifts at kids' birthday parties, that people tend to care about. That really simple language and simple approach, I, I like to Present it as your friend, as something that makes the decision really easy. Yeah. T take advantage of that sample language, that clear script, and mm -hmm. all of the messages that it sends. And if you really don't want gifts at the kid's birthday party, that's the, the, the best place to start. That's mm -hmm. the indication to give people. It's entirely appropriate. And if all of those other questions that come up afterwards come up, you can address them as they come up. But that's a great place to start. It is. It is. And I'll back us up even one step further. A lot of the time, Dan and I will start this type of advice with actually encouragement to do the opposite of what you want to do. And you can you can ignore us. You can run with the no gifts, please. It It is actually okay to do on something like a, a, a birthday invitation 
When it comes to kids' birthdays, you do hear us advise a lot to really consider allowing gifts at kids' birthdays because it is such an excellent moment for kids to practice their good gift-giving and gift-receiving skills. These are skills that we don't have everyday moments to build upon, and kids' birthday parties provide a really great moment. There is a, a lot of social skill building that goes on when kids have to sit around and watch other kids be given something, when kids go with their parent or at least discuss with their parent what the child they're going to be celebrating might like as a gift. I can remember being really proud of some of my birthday gifts as a kid and knowing my best friend or or that kid in my class or my my group my soccer team or something would really like this thing and being excited to give it to them I also remembered sometimes being uncertain about a gift because it wasn't a toy or a game or something that I knew well, but the other kid had asked for it. Okay, I'm going to date myself here. Pogs were a thing when I was a youngster, and I wasn't into them, but my friend Graham was. And I remember it was probably the last like little kid's birthday party that I went to, and he had asked for Pogs. And I got them for him and he went nuts for them. And I didn't get it, but I saw how happy he was with the gift. And I remember the thank you note he wrote for them. And that that's such a, a memorable little, it's a little thing from childhood. He probably doesn't remember it, but I do. But these these moments, these gift giving moments can build some really great skills that can help give kids confidence in future situations in life. And so I would just say think about it as less an accumulation of a bunch of junk and more of a really great way to practice and solidify gift giving and receiving skills, both for your own kids and other kids. Dan, tell me if I'm wrong here, but I think that rather than leaning on all the parents that you've kind of pre-asked this question to, oh, no, you can't do gift give, you know, you can't say no gifts for a kid's birthday party where you're paying for all these kids to come to an activity center or something like that, you know, like, oh, it's just too much like treating us to stuff and the birthday kids aren't getting enough. And I understand where those parents could be feeling that. But I also want to give the encouragement to do the party the way you're really envisioning and and being comfortable with saying no gifts, please, if that really is going yeah. to be the thing. OK, cool. <laughs> Like, I hope I'm not like stepping on parenting toes here, but no. I think that it's your party or it's your kid's party and you are the one managing it. And because this isn't such a terrible thing, even though we often encourage the gifting at kids' parties, I think if you really want to run with this direction, you should feel okay doing that and, and just go for the, like Dan said, no gifts, please, and leave it at that on the invitation. And people do it for different reasons. It can be more complicated with a combined party, a party happening yep. somewhere else. The follow-up that I was thinking is that in the same way you've heard from parents ahead of time that, oh, but we'd have to get something. We just – in the way you're even sensing a feeling of awkwardness from people about not bringing gifts to a kid's party, particularly one where they feel like they're being well-hosted and even treated. Yeah. Although that's not – for the record, part of the equation, that's not a it's, it's not a pay for your plate kind of affair or thinking that, that, that applies here. But the reality is that it is something people enjoy so much for all those reasons that Lizzie was just talking about. And it's entirely possible that people will ignore the invitation yep. 
advice that you give, the direction that you give on the invitation. It's also possible that people will call and ask what to bring, what your child likes, <laughs> that they'll right, look they'll for some sort, of, with it. <laughs> some sort of line or thread to follow, or they'll wonder if there is a theme for the party or a particular type of gift that you're doing this year. Enough parents have been through this and enough family members know to ask that it's it's not unreasonable to expect that call to happen. And whether you've indicated that you're not accepting gifts or whether you've left all mention of gifts off the invitation, being ready for that conversation is a really good idea. And all of the things that you talk about as sort of elaborations on on your thinking about gifts, particularly the direction that you'd like to give, mm -hmm. the appropriate time to give any of that direction is when someone asks for it. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I think Lizzie, I will guarantee is right there with me when I say your instinct to avoid the gift registry for a birthday yes. party is spot on. You don't want to go on. that far with it. But mm -hmm. having a couple ideas, some some ballpark areas, some areas of interest that your kids are are focused on at the moment or a particular type of toy that, you know, they love. I and love would appreciate. the chalk and bubbles. <laughs> I love the chalk and bubbles suggestion. That one I never feel like goes you could bad. never I enough them of them. Yes, exactly. No, exactly. I would probably caution a against going the direction though of like money for their savings account. I think of that as something more like a, a closer knit circle that might be something like your parents, you might suggest that too, if that's something that they, they would enjoy giving towards or an aunt or something like that. But with friends, unless your friends are your chosen family and this is something you all kind of do within your own little circle, typically you don't go the direction of asking for money. And there are things like Fiverr parties, which is a little different because that's for like a specific toy. But money for savings isn't really one that people go for in, in this crowd, I would say. Dan, before we we leave this answer, I did just want to add a slight caveat. You gave really good advice to keep the no gifts, please simple. And, and we give that advice even in our book that like, keep it simple, keep it clear. There's another phrase that I think people are really used to that might help encourage them to get in that no gifts, please spirit. And that's your presence is a present, or if you want to expand on it, your presence is a wonderful present already. No gifts, please. Could be a way to help people understand that like y'all coming and doing this like is the thing. That's like the big awesome thing for the birthday. And it's, it's what our kids wanted is what we wanted for them. Like without explaining all that, the presence, your presence is your pre is a present or is a wonderful present kind of gets people in that spirit of recognition recognizing what you mean when you say no gifts, please. Like, we're already really content with what's going on. Don't worry about the gifting. Just don't ask me to be the one spelling presents and present. I know, right? <laughs> oh, goodness. A mom who just tripped over a toy. You've got a lot of really fantastic thoughts um, going on and a lot of good self-checks going on here. Um, and I hope that whichever way you go with this, whether it ends up being with gifts or without get or no gifts, please party, that your kids at four and two have an awesome time with their friends at, at the gym and that it is just a really fabulous dual birthday party. Best of luck with the rest of the planning. Don't fret, dear. They're just growing up. Oh, I wasn't fretting. Just thinking how they're growing up so fast.
Our next question is titled Names and Nuptials, and Lizzie Post loves it because the answer is embedded in the question. It is! It is! Our audience is so smart. Hello, Lizzie and Dan. After listening to your recent questions on wedding invitation etiquette, I have a question of my own. My, the bride's, divorced parents are paying for the reception caterer. The groom's parents are not in a position to contribute financially, but are providing services for the wedding that both save us money and will be very special for us. The groom and I are paying for all remaining costs. Would it be too cumbersome to list everyone's name on the invite? My parents would like to be listed by name, and I would like to accommodate that request. However, I don't want to list just my parents, as the groom and I are contributing about half of the financial cost of the wedding. Is it selfish of us to want some acknowledgement of that on the invite? In addition, if I am including both the couple and my parents, I feel like I should include his parents as well. Would it be appropriate to include the following, or is this far too cumbersome? I appreciate any advice or suggestions you have. Thank you. And then the sample language is given below. Line one, together with their parents. Line two, Ms. Bride's mom. Line three, Mr. Bride's dad. Line four, Mr. and Mrs. Groom's parents. Line five is a space. <laughs> line five is a space. Then we have bride on its own line and on its own line, groom on its own line, another space line, followed by request the honor of your presence, dot, dot, dot. And then we signed. get their sign off, anonymous, anonymous bride. bride. We're back into the email at this <laughs> yeah, point. Exactly, exactly. Anonymous bride is not part of that. Dan, I've got to say, I don't see any problem with this particular one. I and I, I, I'm, I'm pretty good on my my wedding invitation wording. But what I like about it is often what you'll see is together with their parents, and then it just drops straight to the bride and groom's name or the couple's name. Mm -hmm. um, and that could be with an and, it could be with a two, and is the Jewish wording, which I, I personally really like this wording, even though I grew up Catholic, I really, really like the, the word and instead of the word two. It doesn't mean that two is bad. This is just a personal preference. Two is often used for Christian weddings. And there are tons of people who use either or not knowing that they have traditionally religious affiliations with them. So I, I think it's absolutely fine, whichever you choose in them. But I actually really am liking seeing the parents' names along with that language of together with their parents. And the, like, I just, I really like how it's set up. I feel like I understand everything that's going on with this when I read it and look at it. And that really is what you're going for when it comes to creating invitations and you want it kind of like everything should, should read like a decent sentence or at least somewhat like a sentence structure, mm -hmm. even though it's all broken up by line. It tells me who is hosting that it's really the bride and groom and they all their parents that are hosting together. And I love the community spirit of that. I'm a big fan of be gracious and in include anyone, no matter what their actual dollar financial contribution was, is that if they were really providing, especially if they're a parent and they were providing some kind of service. I know a lot of weddings were, for instance, um, like at my best friend's wedding, one of the aunts did the flowers. She wasn't like included on the as one of the hosts of the party. And, and that made sense to everybody, including her. But I love this idea of getting all of the parents involved and represented as hosts of the party. And I love the fact that the groom's parents are contributing in the ways that they can and that the bride talks about how meaningful that is to, to them as a couple. 
But anyway, I th- I just thought this was great. I thought it was really great. And it was so cool to see someone like come in with the suggestion that that's like the yeah, go for that suggestion, you know? Well, the the only thing that I have to add before yeah. I want to ask you to read this without all the line breaks that I had in, but with that sense of, <laughs> of continuity where yeah. I, I love that idea, Lizzie Post, that whatever choices you make with your invitation, that giving it a read and hearing how it sounds and that it, it might not follow traditional sentence structure, you might not have punctuation, but you just want a coherence to it in terms right. of – how the language works and the impression that it creates that in all of the, well, what word goes where and what gets its own line big picture. If you read the thing, does it communicate to you? Right, and does it communicate right. the things that you want it to? Um, and this one I, does. <laughs> it, it really does. And the other etiquette point that I, I like that's being followed here is that when people have strong feelings or when people really care about something, you're doing your best to accommodate that. And you've got people that participated that really want to be named and acknowledged in that way. And you've made an effort to do that. And I think that's really good etiquette as well. So without a whole lot more to add, Lizzie Post, would you read us out? Oh, sure. Let's hear how this sounds. (laughs) So together with their parents, Mrs. Bride's mom, Mr. Bride's dad, Mr. and Mrs. Groom's parents, the bride and the groom request the honor of your presence. And obviously the bride and the groom would have their real names in it because we don't have access to those. I wasn't going to fudge it and make new names. Same same with all the parents' names. But I, I it was clear to me what was happening, who was getting married, And the fact that together, the bride and groom, with all of these people who are their parents, and I love that because it identifies for the guest who the parents of the bride and groom are, and that's so nice when you're a guest and you can see people at a wedding. Maybe you don't know them personally, but you know the couple getting married, and you could say, ah, and this is... Ms. Bride's mom and Mr. Bride's dad. And I can tell from that the the construction because they're on separate lines that they aren't together. But I can also tell from the construction of the groom's parents that they are a couple like it. It just says so much so well. (laughs) So I'm very I think it, it really, really works. Anonymous Bride, we think you have a good lead on your invitation. I know there are more decisions to make when it comes to actually getting those invitations printed, and we wish you the best (laughs) with all of it and the rest of your planning. Congratulations. That diamond is symbolic of a pledge that will be made this year by nearly a million and a half couples. The pledge to love and cherish, to honor and obey, the pledge to share a lifetime and build a heritage for new lifetimes to come. Our next question is titled, Fowl Like Chicken Feces. Ooh! Hi, Lit Dan and Lizzie. Our neighbors are lovely people, and we've lived next door to each other for the past three years. They have checked on our pets when we've been out of town, and we have passed along lots of clothes and toys to their children who are younger than ours. However, I would say that we mostly have a surface relationship, which is totally fine. Our neighbors also have four chickens. For the first year or so, the chickens stayed entirely in their enclosed backyard. However, now they are free range. They can fly over our neighbor's fence, so they are frequently in our front yard, driveway, backyard, everywhere. Unfortunately, the chickens also poop everywhere. Dan and Lizzie, we live in a city. So these types of animals are not the norm in our area. We generally wear shoes outside, but our kids do run out barefoot on occasion. I can't think of any way to nicely say, can you please come clean the chicken poop from my yard? 
Can you think of a way to say that? Thank you. Another Lizzie with an IE. Woo! Not that we don't like the Ys. It's just fun <laughs> to find your Lizzies with the IEs. Lizzie, that was such a subdued woo in the in the script. It's all capitals with it's, like extended woo, multiple Lizzie, consonant letters, exclamation points. <laughs> I know how you feel when you meet Lizzies with IEs. <laughs> Um, I feel like I've met a kindred spirit here as well. And totally Pooch and I have been the ones experimenting with keeping chickens. It was so much fun. And <laughs> I think it's going to happen again this year. I think this is the year where we're not pregnant enough that we can imagine doing it again. Totally. And we definitely ran with a free range chicken model. And I have not figured out what to do with the fowl fowl. The, the foul foul really yeah. containing them and or at least keeping them off the yard where you play and run and roll in the grass it's it's necessary i can't imagine dealing with neighbors whose chickens were loose on my property mm-hmm. i'm mm-hmm. wanting to tell jokes like oh i feel like i'm in a george washington <laughs> etiquette book and we're you know <laughs> settling colonial disputes from the 1700s of my chicken ate your garden i think there was an emily post example with a chicken that did some damage in someone else's shrubbery or something a a dog but yes there is (laughs) i also want to make jokes about you know good fences making the best neighbors i want to make a joke about well you could just eat one of those chickens you could just have dinner if they're over in your yard free dinner sorry that's so funny there's potential humor there but i'm not funny i'm not a stand-up comedian the the best thing that i can do is give an etiquette answer which is it sounds like you need to have a real talk with your neighbors and i agree 100 percent. the reality is that they're not taking care of something that they're responsible for and they need to know how it's impacting you in order to adjust their behavior and fix it and i wouldn't for me now I'm getting into the how of it the 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 mm-hmm. what is that conversation needs to happen mm-hmm. in terms of the how I'm thinking a light touch might be a good place to start that mm-hmm. they've managed for years prior to keep these chickens contained mm-hmm. it's probably an option for them it's probably something they can do if they know that you don't love a bucolic scene with chickens running in your backyard <laughs> or that you love that in scene your city. <laughs> but you don't like the reality of the poo the feces and yeah, yeah that is a reality for animals <laughs> and yep that comes along with it and if you don't want to have that going on in your yard you shouldn't have to and you don't have to and it's up to them to fix it and it's such a clear line that i don't even feel like you need to push it too hard you just need to let yeah. them know that it's crossed and yes. the likelihood <laughs> is that they will deal with it Dan, I like the idea of starting this in a in in what I think of, even though it's advice that we give generally at Emily Post, I think of it as Dan's advice. And that is the the prime the person and ask ask if now is a good time to talk about the subject. So hi Janet, I was hoping I could talk to you about the chickens. Is now a good time? And it gives her just that breath to understand what the topic is you want to discuss and and figure out whether or not it is a good time to discuss this topic. And then after that, let's say she says, yeah, now's a totally fine time. What's going on? I would then say something like, you know, we're finding that the chickens are ending up in our yard, driveway, front yard, too often for us to feel comfortable with it. We're happy to help out when you're away. We love doing that. But we were wondering if there's a better way to keep them in your yard 
the rest of the time or not even the rest of the time. Just keep them in your yard, period. Dan, I didn't address the specific poo issue. Do you think we need to? I don't think it's something you need to avoid. I think okay, that okay. it's such a reality so go for, for people that care for animals. And chickens in particular. <laughs> and just a little reminder that, yeah, they are fun and they are amusing and even entertaining for the kids They're maybe so cute. <laughs> that that there's a real that there's a real there's a real mess that comes along with them and there's yeah. a reason chicken coops are smelly places and there's a reason we line them with hay that you can just pull out and throw away because muck that stall yeah because <laughs> foul can be foul and yeah. anybody that keeps chickens is going to understand that and if you remind them that that's happening in your backyard and that you're not comfortable with it I think any reasonable neighbor, and it sounds like these are reasonable neighbors who yeah. you have a good relationship with, is gonna gonna understand that that's their responsibility. Lizzie, with an IE, at the risk of descending too far into dad humor, I don't <laughs> think you need to be chicken about talking about chickens <laughs> with your neighbor. You are on really really firm ground here, and we wish you the best having this potentially difficult conversation that I. I have a feeling it's going to go pretty smoothly. Oh, I love bad jokes. Thank you so much for putting that one in, Dan. I just love it. That cracks me up. Lizzie with an IE, good luck. We certainly hope that there is less foul foul in your future. Wake up, chickens. The chickens jump and fly from their roosts. First the rooster and then the hen. They are white leghorn chickens, wide awake now, and waiting for breakfast. Thank you for your questions. Please send us updates or feedback on our answers to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. You can also reach us on social media. On Twitter, we are at Emily Post Inst. On Instagram, we are at Emily Post Institute. And on Facebook, we are Awesome Etiquette. Just remember, use the hashtag Awesome Etiquette with your post so that we know you want your question on the show. If you're enjoying Awesome Etiquette, we would love for you to consider becoming a sustaining member by visiting us at patreon.com slash awesome etiquette. You'll get an ads-free version of the show and access to bonus questions and content, plus live calls with Dan and myself. You'll also feel great knowing that you help to keep Awesome Etiquette on the air. And to those of you who are already sustaining members, thank you for your support. It's time for our feedback segment where we hear from you about the questions we answer and the topics we cover. Today we have feedback from Anonymous. Dear Awesome Etiquette team, I wanted to share one additional perspective in response to the question from Hesitant in Healthcare in episode 396 about sneaking in behind people into restricted spaces. When working in a secure facility where expectations about entry are clearly defined for all who work there, for example, that all people entering must badge in when entering a secure wing of a building, we can reasonably assume that anyone trying to sneak in is in fact someone who should not be there in the first place. Mm -hmm. In other words, anyone who should have access to that space should know better than to ask to sidestep this important security protocol. 
Just as safety and security considerations can supersede etiquette rules, so too should hesitant healthcare feel at ease knowing they are prioritizing their duty to protect people and perhaps sensitive information above all else. Kind regards, Anonymous. Anonymous, thank you for that fabulous feedback. It's an excellent, excellent point that sort of flips the question on its head. And I, I really appreciate it. I'm hoping more people will feel confident in saying those no's if someone asks them to hold that door. It's always nice to have a real strong sense of where the clear boundaries and lines are. Thank you for that feedback. And thank you for sending us your thoughts and updates. Please keep them coming. You can send us your feedback or update to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. It's time for our Postscript segment where we dive deeper into a topic of etiquette. And today we're going to talk about a total etiquette classic. Thank you notes. This has probably been the topic for, I don't know, double digit Postscripts already at this point in this show. And Multiple I just times. think it's time to do it again <laughs> because it's awesome. Gratitude. Thank you notes. This is one of my favorite etiquette topics. And it's very much on my brain right now because of a very personal situation in my life where we had this baby a few weeks ago and the world has been so supportive of us. And by us, I'm talking about me and Pooja and and, and the, the girls, girls, but mostly me and Pooja because we're the ones who <laughs> receive most of this. Um, but whether support comes in the form of a meal train or a little presents or just a little note welcoming baby – there are so many people in our life who've reached out to us and and done really kind, nice things for us in the last two months or people coming to stay with us and take care of our kids. Um, the more I think about it, the more things I think about that I have to be grateful for and to Aww. express gratitude over. And I was going to say, are you going to share the fun part, though? Are you going to share am, the fun part? I am going to share okay. the fun part. And I think I mentioned it on an intro to the show a couple weeks ago, but we have an activity that we do with the girls now that's our thank you note writing factory where we <laughs> lay out on the kitchen table all of the makings for doing thank you notes. So I go get out the stationery, the envelopes, the cards. Pooj will write the names of all the people that we have to write notes to on post-its, and we stick mm -hmm. them on the table. And Anisha goes through and peels off the post-its and she can write the names and on the cards. And then we write a little note and then each of the girls takes a turn. Aria is not a, a big drawer yet. So she uses these stamps, these different stamps to do hearts okay. and animals and shapes. And Anisha will draw something maybe specific to the people. Oh, this is Nana Nani. So I do Nana Nani's house or this mm -hmm. is – Abba and Brendan, so I do them with a tent or a kayak. Mm -hmm, <laughs> um, mm -hmm. And it's fun. It's something that the girls like doing. <laughs> and we actually produce these thank you notes that just delight me as a parent. We include them in the process. And I think they're better than the ones I can do on my own, <laughs> um, <laughs> which, you know, have say a nice thing, but are, you know, usually pretty standard straight up notes. You don't add drawings to yours or stickers or stamps, cuz? <laughs> Not usually. <laughs> and it does. It adds a little it's something. I love it. It's fun to do the kid version. It's really fun to do the kid version of the notes. Yeah. So it turns out that this is having an impact not just on me, but on my lovely wife, who's 
also going through a reentry period professionally or she's preparing mm-hmm. for it. She's starting to tackle some professional tasks again in her downtime around the house. And I found her the other day writing thank you notes to some people she knows professionally for some opportunities that they'd put in front of her. And I'd been aware that she was interacting with these people and that this was something she was thinking about. But I, professional etiquette expert and author, <laughs> it had <laughs> not speaker. occurred to me that the appropriate <laughs> thing to do after someone helped you like that professionally was write them a thank you note. And she asked me, she said, is this a good thing to do? I said, are you kidding? This is the best thing you could possibly like, do. I give entire seminars specifically on this one thing. <laughs> I had to sit down at the table is. and ask, I said, do you want my best lines about why you should do this? Do you want some research, some data on what a good idea this is to do? It was a a nice little moment for the two of us, actually. We had a chance to connect, and um, she had questions that sounded very similar to the types of questions we get on the podcast. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It was a very personal reminder for me of how significant and important the process of expressing gratitude is, how good it can make you feel, and also the impacts that it can have. So I was thinking, why not talk about it as a postscript? Why not talk about some of those fundamental components to that basic note, just as a reminder for everyone? And Lizzie, I know that you and I actually have slightly different versions of the the sort of Mad Libs thank you note that we write. Sort of, yeah. And they're they're both, I think, quite good. And I was actually hoping that you would share your (laughs) template today. And then we'll share your – and can we share yours as well? We'll do them both. Absolutely. we Dan and I have two different kind of like methods to the madness on this, and we both like each other's notes. So it's not like a competition between the two of us, or maybe it's not anymore. Although we'll um, take feedback, votes in favor. and Yeah, uh, we'll take jokes, team up. Dan, team Liz. I go for the short and sweet note. And the reason I really love promoting this note is that I think for some people, especially who um, – I mean, email is more our form of letter writing today than letter writing even is that you can definitely find fully grown adults who've never written an actual letter in their life. And I think sometimes the thought of sitting down pen, paper in hand, pen, card in hand can feel daunting to people. And so what I really love about this first example is that it's three short sentences And they all are very common and accessible sentences for the the act that we're doing, right? So the first, obviously, write dear or hi or whatever your greeting is and the person's name or the names. And then the first sentence is just a greeting. Uh, Maybe you wish them well. I often like, I hope this note finds you well, or I hope you're enjoying whatever season it is that we're in. And then the second sentence is very clearly your thank you. Thank you so much for the beautiful set of stationery that you gave me. Doesn't it look so gorgeous? You know, make some kind of comment about the direct thank you. And then if you want to extend it, extend it into uh, some kind of praise for either the item itself, the favor you're thanking someone for, or just the generosity, the thoughtfulness on their part. Maybe you don't like the stationery, but you're going to say, thank you so much for the stationery. It was so thoughtful of you to think to do this, something like that. And then the third line is, again, it's a second version of wishing them well, but often something like, hope we're going to get to see you next summer, or I really hope maybe you know something that they're working on. You give some kind of wish, wishing them well as you close. 
And it's it's ends up being just three little sentences, really easy to approach, easy to complete, doesn't take you much time. You want to put some heart into it, but you don't have to put a whole ton of thought into it to get through that. Um, so that's the short, the short and sweet thank you note that, that I find really accessible, but it does not in any way diminish or, you know, replace what I think of as Dan's longer thank you note that I really love. Dan, do you want to tell everyone what your method to the madness is? So I have a four sentence note that I like to teach and use. I thought use. it was five. I thought it was five. No, it's a four. <laughs> no, it's but four. I, I tell got you that what wrong. You're th- I'm sorry. What, whatever that is, thirty three percent longer. Because <laughs> <laughs> these are these are such short notes, and ultimately, it should be a manageable, doable task. So, mm-hmm. you know, three sentence, four sentence. It's actually significant difference. <laughs> and I'll tell you that for. Pooja's purposes, I wish I'd had your three-sentence note in my mind because (laughs) we had a little bit of difficulty with one of my four sentences, and I think we ended up going with a three-sentence version. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) Like you, obviously, there's the date, then the salutation. Um, Mm. But for me, first sentence is the explicit thanks for the thing. And I like your little warm-up sentence. You sort of ease them in, but I also – Sometimes I go straight in with the thanks. I, I tell people, right in don't, with the thank you. <laughs> you know, r- run with your lead. <laughs> thank you so much for X, Y, or Z. Or mm-hmm. I'm writing to say how much I appreciate you. Can you can elaborate on that sentence? It can be a longer version of that sentence. It can also be very mm-hmm. clear, very direct version of that sentence. The second sentence I like to tell people is the only original thought that you're responsible for in the note. That's the place where you get to personalize the message in some way, make some sort yeah. of connection either to the the particulars of the thing you're thanking for or to the person themselves. But that's the that's the opportunity to personalize in a way that's unique to you or that experience. And it's the thing that gets you out of it sounding too rote. If you are leading with that very simple and direct, thank you so much for X, Y, or Z. You could almost mm-hmm. think of the second sentence as the comma and then the elaboration on that thought. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The third sentence is the optional sentence where I say if there is some sort of forward thinking or forward action that you want to address, that's the place where I would do it. I'm so looking forward to working with your team. Can't wait to see you this spring. Uh, can't wait for you to meet the baby. Thank, thank you so much for that blanket you knitted. Mm-hmm. It's just absolutely perfect. It is the softest I've ever touched. Can't wait for you to meet little William. Mm-hmm. So if mm-hmm. there's a future action that's connected to the thing that makes sense, that's that third sentence that you could call optional, but I kind of look for it. I like that possibility of using that mm-hmm. note to fill the relationship up a little bit. Mm-hmm. The fourth sentence is a repetition of the thanks. Thank you again so much for X, Y, or Z. It's a chance to just say it in a slightly different way. Close out with your closing. You've now really kept the focus on the thanks. The focus is on the gratitude, but you've had a chance to build it out just a little bit in the middle. Mm-hmm. So for you, your your thanks is the the meat of the sandwich or the, the, yeah, the heart of the yeah. sandwich, the veggie of the sandwich. And for me, it's the, the thanks is the bread and there's something else maybe in the middle a little bit. Yeah. I tend to leave my like wish for the future as the closing and you, you put it a little earlier. So it's like a slightly different flip, but I will also say that with both of our examples, 
if you've got the words to elaborate, by all means, elaborate. Like, there is nothing wrong with making a five, six, seven sentence thank you note if you've got the words there and, and the sentiment keeps to that thanks. I think the one thing we do tend to caution people against is about turning your thank you note too much into a here's what's happening with me note, which is more of just a social note going by. And I think you really do. What I love about both of our, um, our, our, our thank you notes is that they keep really tightly focused on the thank you. And that that is a, a good way to go. You can always send another note to catch up or give a phone call, something like that. And those are all appropriate things to say, even as well wishes or, or moving on, like your hope for the future, hope we can catch up soon or something like that. Totally fine, too. But you don't want to go so far into, and here's what's up with me, and then start your kind of newsletter of yourself. So keep the focus to that thank you, and you will have a beautiful thank you note that I think with the exception of one awesome etiquette listener that we heard from will likely be appreciated by anybody who receives it. Well, I don't think this will be the last postscript that we do on thank you notes either. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> Eight years running, we've managed to talk about it a number of times. Because I really want to thank you for suggesting this postscript today. I love the uh, image in my mind of the thank you note factory with the kids. Uh, definitely something I'm going to want to do with my niece and nephew in the future. And really, really cool to hear about Pooja using advice that you give all the time, like in her own personal life. I just love that little touch. So thank, thank you for a wonderful postscript. Well, you are most welcome, and I'm sure we'll be back here again someday. These are letters of thanks. Uh, tell me, Nora, which of these did you really enjoy the most? Here, this one from Alice made me feel good. I could tell just by reading it that she really liked the present I sent her. Here, listen to this. Thanks a million for sending me the delightful book for my birthday. How did you know I've been trying to borrow that very book for weeks? We like to end our show on a high note, so we turn to you to hear about the good etiquette you're seeing and experiencing out in the world, and that can come in so many forms. Today, we have a salute from Rena. Hi, Dan and Lizzie. I have an etiquette salute to my mom, Francine. As Passover approached, one of our most important holidays, I asked if I could bring my brother-in-law to my mom's Seder, as he didn't have anywhere to go. She enthusiastically extended him an invitation, excited for the new addition to our table. The Seder can sometimes be fraught as everyone navigates the Passover dietary restrictions differently. Without wanting to come off as ungrateful or judgmental, I tried to let my mom know that my brother-in-law is keeping very strictly kosher this holiday, meaning he wouldn't be able to eat anything made in her house or served off her plates. Without any thought, my mom cheerfully asked what we could do to make him comfortable. Paper plates? Buying certified kosher treats? When I replied we'd bring some food prepared in his kosher kitchen and offered to bring enough for everyone, she told us that a salad would be nice, but we absolutely didn't have to share everything. These kinds of accommodations can be awkward and can stick out like a sore thumb when it comes to a huge and formal holiday meal. Moreover, since this relates to the topic of religious observance, I was worried she'd feel hurt or defensive or question why he's keeping kosher more strictly on Passover than he does the rest of the year. But the ease with which my mom not only welcomed a new guest, but happily accommodated his needs without interrogation was so wonderful to see. 
She really reminded me that making everyone feel at ease is far more important than a perfectly matching set of dinnerware. The Seder dinner was beautiful, and everyone felt welcomed and ready to celebrate the holiday. I only hope that I can emulate my mom's graciousness and generosity of spirit the next time I have friends over for dinner. Sincerely, Rena in Toronto. Oh, I just love this salute. I love it. I love it. I love the I love everything the mom did. I love the the way the daughter set up her brother-in-law well for a visit to a house he probably hasn't been to. Like that's just wonderful across the board. And I'll tell you I particularly notice the way that Rena takes the experience of seeing what her mother's doing and takes it as a lesson and takes it as inspiration mm -hmm. for herself mm -hmm. and for the kind of host that she wants to be someday. And Rena, just based on that being your impulse, I am sure that you are well on your way. Thank you so much for this salute. Thank you for listening. And thank you to everyone who sent us something and everyone who supports us on Patreon. Please connect with us and share this show with friends, family, coworkers, anybody that you like to share podcasts with in any way that you like to share podcasts. We want to get the word out. You can send your next question, feedback, or salute by email to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. On Twitter, we are at emilypostinst. On Instagram, we are at Emily Post Institute. And on Facebook, we're Awesome Etiquette and the Emily Post Institute. Please consider becoming a sustaining member of the podcast by visiting patreon.com slash awesome etiquette. You can also subscribe to the ads version of our show on Spotify or your favorite podcast app. And please consider leaving us a review. It helps our show ranking, which helps more people find Awesome Etiquette. Our show is edited by Chris Albertine and assistant produced by Bridget Dowd. Thanks, Chris, Thanks, and, Bridget. Chris and Bridget.